eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two. It's episode 65. Jordan Wicks, wows Cub fans. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook, or email us at Fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crowley, happy Sunday, and the uh, Cubs did what they needed to do out in Pittsburgh. Took care of business, kept that series streak going. So, you know, I think it was important to, 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 not split. You know how I hate four game series. I thought the Cubs, you know, especially today did a really good job. Yeah. Excellent work overall. And uh, let's uh, walk it through it. We got to rewind all the way back to Thursday though, to get this thing started. Yeah. Game one, you had Justin Steele going up against former Cubs prospect, Rob Sestrinsky. You remember him? He was briefly up with the 2016 team. Uh, the Cubs won this one five to four, right? So, you know, the way the offense started this game, Dustin, I'm thinking, okay, easy win, right? Rob Sestrinsky, he was called up. He was the opener. And Nico greets him with the double. Dansby would line out. And, of course, he and Hap would strike out swinging. But with two outs, Cody Bellinger hit an RBI single, and the Cubs were up one nothing. You're going to hear me say that a lot, that Cody Bellinger really saves the day with two out RBI hits. Zestrinsky uh, was done after one work of inning, and Andre, and Andre Jackson comes into the game. Seiya Suzuki greets him with the double. Jan Gome hits a flare and put runners at the corners. And then Jaime Candelario hit a sack fly to score. Say yes, singles by Nico Magical. And Nico Horner give the Cubs 3-0. The offense is rolling. But in the bottom of the second, Justin Steele walked Andy Rodriguez and Vinny Capra bunted. But Steele did not feel it cleanly. He went barehanded instead of using his glove. And everyone was safe. He almost got out of it by striking out the next two batters. But Jin Juan Bay, who had a lot of good at-bats this series, he singled the right to score Rodriguez, and the Cubs' lead was cut 3-1. to one. Um, Steele got out of the inning. Then the bottom of the third with one out, Connor Joe walked, and Joshua Palacios hit a mammoth home run into the Allegheny River. Shades <laughs> of Kyle Schwarber's Allegheny home yeah, run in the 2015 sure wildcard game, right? Sure was, yeah, sure was. He And that's a – mammoth is a good word for it. Yeah, he crushed that ball. Now, like I said, Andre Jackson's in. He gives up a couple runs. You think, okay, the Cubs are going to keep adding, but the offense went cold. The bats go cold. They only had four base runners, Dustin, from the fourth to nine innings. Two singles, a hit by pitch, and a Nicky Magical double. That Nick Magical double in the ninth was the only runner in scoring position for the Cubs since the second inning. Luckily, Steele pitched his 17th quality start of the season. He went six innings, gave up three runs on six hits. Two of them were earned, but the air was on himself, so... He struck out six, walked two. Uh, the Cubs' bullpen also continued to look good. Merriweather continued his dominance. Fulmer had a nice bounce-back outing. 
The one guy out of the pen that struggled was Daniel Palencia. He walked Jack Swinski to lead off the ninth, but then Alfonso Rivas attempted to bunt him over. And old man Jan Gomes leapt like a cat. The ball goes off his glove, and he catches it in his bare hand for the first out. What a, great, what, a, what a great play. I, I got it. That was just spectacular. Like, seriously, old catcher. I, I mean, like, he was like a cat. Um, but what ends up happening then, the next battery key, Brian Hayes, hit one 386 feet, and Bellinger is going to catch it against the wall. That would have been a walk-off homer and many bark out. So uh, Palacios gets out of it. So with the game tied in the top of the 10th, Talk Fitman's the Manford man. Nico would ground out to advance the runner. Swanson would walk to put runners at the corners. A wild pitch by former Cubs prospect Thomas Hatch allows Swanson to move to second. Unfortunately, uh, there's going to be a wild pitch and the ball completely misses the catcher, but it hits the home plate ump. Otherwise, a run would have scored. So with one out, Ian Happ up, he hits a flare and Connor Joe just misses it, which then causes him to bobble the ball. Both runners score, Nico and Swanson, and the Cubs would be up five to three and Adbert Elsley would pick up his 20th save. Dustin, he has converted his last 16 save chances since July 5th, the most in the majors during that stretch. Yeah, I mean, listen, he's somebody that you really have to talk about when you talk about most valuable Cubs at this point in the season, right? I mean, he has been so, so clutch because that was something going into the season. Two things. Who was going to take care of the ninth, assuming there was opportunity there? And then where was the power going to come from? Those were two huge questions. We still are asking where is the power going to come from, but uh, Alzalea is definitely a guy for the ninth inning, no doubt about that. Absolutely. And then when you talk about no power, game two, I, I, this is the one I was worried about. Kyle Hendricks versus Mitch Keller. Oh. The Cubs lose this one two to one. So here's the thing. Here's what we know about Hendricks at this point. He's a guy who's going to give you six innings and he'll give up maybe three runs, two runs, whatever. And he usually struggles in the beginning of the game. All of that happened exactly in the first inning. Key Brian Hayes singled, followed by a Brian Reynolds doubles to put runners on second and third. McCutcheon grounded out to advance the runners and the Pirates were up one nothing. Then Joshua Palacios hit one to Nico who went home with the throw, but Reynolds was safe to make it two nothing buckos. Hendricks was able to kind of get out of it, and then he was fine. He was able to go 5.2 innings pitch, gave up two runs on six hits, four Ks, and one walk. The bullpen didn't give up any runs. Jose Coaz looked okay after struggling a whole bunch lately, but he gave up one hit and one walk. My guess is he'll be optioned to Iowa shortly. He just got to get that control down. And then Drew Smiley also pitched a scoreless inning of relief, striking out one and giving up no hits or walks. But unfortunately, Mitch Keller was that good. He went eight innings. He gave up four hits, no runs, one walk, and six Ks. Seiya Suzuki had two of those four hits. Magical had one, and Ian Happ had one. Everyone else was hitless. Ian added one more hit to his total, a solo home run off Pirates closer David Bednar to pull the Cubs within two to one, make it interesting. The next batter, Cody Bellinger, was called safe on a close play, which the Pirates challenged and overturned, and Cody was out. And the Cubs would do nothing else, but that challenge play took over five minutes, Dustin. That has yeah. to stop. We got it's got to be quicker than that. But the uh, the right the right call was made. You know, it didn't go the Cubs' way, but I'm glad it's there. I mean, it was close. It was really it was really really close. And now they called him safe originally, right? Right. So they had to reverse it to to out, and I think that's why it took a little bit more time because they wanted to make sure that they uh, that they had gotten it right. But that game, boy, as fun as Thursday was, Friday was just, oof, boy, thank God for Saturday and Sunday, Crowley. Yeah, it was, it, like I said, Keller's a good pitcher, and, and he showed it, and that was a tough game. And I was, getting, I was getting worried because the Cubs didn't have much offense Thursday night after they scored early. They, they did win that one with the extra man, and then all of a sudden they were cold this game. So that's like a game and a half that they were cold. And so I was worried about the bats, but I didn't really have to worry because game three, Cubs scored a lot of run. But what was more exciting than that, that Dustin, is that Justin Wicks was promoted – to the big club uh it's something we talked about with alex cohen for in the last episode he was the guest and he talked he said you'll see jordan wicks real soon it literally was the next day that it was announced that jordan wicks would be coming up he would pitch today uh game three on saturday and that would move javier Assad and give him an extra day of rest on sunday you know what's funny dustin is on the last episode of fly the w we played uh, a clip with with 
and I was pretty upset about it with uh, David Ross saying, oh, we got to give him another shot. He's just getting used to it. On Monday, right? Or I mean, not on Monday, on Thursday, Jed Hoyer is talking to the media. And uh, you, can, you can just see Jed Hoyer was having none of that. This is what Jed Hoyer had to say about Drew Smiley when the Cubs arrived in Pittsburgh on Thursday. Yeah, I think at this point it's likely to be pitching out of the bullpen for a bit. Um, he's been great for us early in the season. Last year in August, he was amazing. You know, he struggled uh, the last couple of months, and obviously I think we have to get, get him on track while also winning games. So I think that's the, the, the plan right now is to you know, put him in the bullpen, and uh, we'll figure out you know, who's going to make starts going forward. So, so Ross said, yeah, we're going to give another start. Jed Hoyer comes out on Thursday and says, no, done with Not this. so fast, my friend, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, not so fast, my friend. Yeah, just a uh, side note, uh, Jed Hoyer, 9 a.m. on Monday with uh, Mully and Ooh, Paul. Good one. All right. Ask him when PCA is coming up, please. Um, but before the game, right, we, we, we find out that 2021 first-round pick, Jordan Wicks, making his starts. How's he going to do? Is the offense going to respond? Who knows? On the second pitch of the game, Jordan Wicks gives up a home run to keep Brian Hayes. Then he gives up a single to Brian Reynolds and walks and a hard and a hard single. I mean, that was a hard hit ball. He barreled that one. And so now you're taking a look here. The first three batters, you know, reach two on, no out, one run in. But the pitcher whisperer, Tommy Hadovy, comes out to have a conversation with Wicks. He would then strike out the next three batters he faced. In fact, McC- uh, Wicks would sit down the next 15 batters he faced after the McCutcheon walk. He would go five innings and give up one run on two hits, all in the first inning, strike uh, struck out nine batters, and walked only one also in the first inning. Yeah, he, he, was, he was spectacular. I mean, they said in the broadcast, a national broadcast, uh, so on Fox they had made the comment that this was the most anticipated Cubs debut in 21 years since – they say Mark Pryor, Mark Pryor. Very good. Crowley. I knew you would get it. Yep. 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 And so the offense definitely answered the bell down one, nothing in the third, the pirates brought in Osvaldo Beto. They really used a lot of openers this season. They are during the series. The pirates did. And the Cubs loaded the bases with one out when Beto walked Dansby Swanson, uh, Swanson to tie the game. And then he walks the next batter, Ian Happ to give the Cubs a two to one lead. So he walked in two runs Cody Bellinger would ground out. They would drive in another run, and the Cubs were up 3-0. But then the Cubs would add five runs to their lead with um, the with one out. Talkman would single. Swanson would walk. And Ian Happ would double the score two runs to make it 5-1. to one. Cody Bellinger would hit an RBI singus, single. Seo would hit an RBI triple. And Heimer Candelario hit an RBI single to make it 8-1. to one. All is good, right, Dustin? Nothing can go wrong. Uh, Hayden Wesniski comes out of the pen in the six. He got three easy outs. No problem so far. So good. But then the wheels came off in the seventh. Connor Joe singled and Wesniski got Edney Rodriguez to fly out. Joshua Palacios singled, putting runners at the corners. Liver Perugo hit a sack fly. Connor Joe scores. Cubs still up a two. And Wesniski has two outs. That's not too bad, right? Well, we're still going here, right? They're not, the Pirates are not done. Hayden Walk gave up a walk, single, single. His night's over. Lighter comes in. He gives up a ground rule double to Brian Reynolds, and the Pirate made it eight to six. So now we got a ball game. Hayden went 1.2 innings. He gave up five runs on four hits, one walk, and one K. So, I mean, just frustrating because, you know, you, you had this big lead. You let it slip away. Not only that, in the top of the ninth, Seiya Suzuki hits a clutch two-out double to score two more runs, give the Cubs a little breathing room, a 10-6 lead. But then Daniel Palencias comes in, and he walked two guys. He got two other guys out. But Ross was just not having any of it. He grabbed Alzali to get the final out. Cubs win 10-6. to But you're thinking, Dustin, in this game, 8-1 to lead, you can let guys rest, right? This should be no problem. And he was forced to use lighter for 1.1 innings, use Alzali for the out instead of giving him rest. Were you surprised, Dustin, that Ross went to Alzali with two outs? I or was. Think- I was. I was surprised, but obviously he wanted that win. You know, he, he didn't want anything. He didn't want anything to go wrong, and he had to go to his guy. He had to. I, I don't disagree with it. I, was I surprised? Sure. I didn't think I didn't think he was going to have to get up that day, but sometimes I think it was the right move. 
So the offense had 10 runs on 10 hits. Hap was one for three with three RBIs. Bellinger, two for four with two RBIs. Say at two for five with three RBIs. Team was five for nine, Dustin, with runners in scoring position. But That'll win story... you games. That'll win you games. Yes, sir. And the story of the night was Jordan Wicks. The kid made the record books with this outing. He became the first Cub to win his major league debut as a starter since Ryan O'Malley, August 16, 2006 in Houston. Wick tallied nine strikeouts, becoming the fourth Cub since 1901. Thomas Diamond had 10, Mark Pryor had 10, and Dutch Rutherford had nine to record at least nine strikeouts in their debut. Elias notes that Wicks became the first Cubs uh, pitcher to record at least five straight strikeouts in his MLD debut in the live ball era since 1920. Wicks became the Cubs' first part starting pitcher since Thomas Diamond versus Milwaukee August 3rd, 2010, to tally three strikeouts in the first inning of his debut. And Will, uh, Wicks became the first Cubs pitcher chosen in the first round of the MLB draft to start his debut since Mark Pryor in 2002. Dustin, I was at Pryor's debut also against the Pirates in wow. 2002, and it was absolutely an amazing, electrifying atmosphere. Um, I don't think Jordan Wicks, I mean, to compare him to Mark Pryor, I know that's what national broadcasts do is they pump. No, 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 no. They weren't trying to compare him to Mark Pryor. They were comparing it. It was the most anticipated debut since Mark Pryor. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I guess, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't think as much, man. That prior, the anticipation for prior was like he was the chosen one. All like right, that yeah. was the guy. Like, I mean, Jordan Wicks, yeah. we all know he's a very good pitcher, but if Ben Brown I still healthy, Again, I still don't think they were comparing him. I think they're saying since that one, this is the best one since that one. Okay. That's and what so they were going for. This was also funny, I thought, because Elias also pointed out that he was the first Cubs pitcher in the expansion era to retire at least 15 straight batters in his major league debut. He beat out his uh, Hayden Wesniski, who retired 11 straight when he made his debut last year. I was at that game, and and, and it was funny because Wesniski did so bad in this game. Yeah, he wasn't uh, he wasn't sharp, and I had big. I had I felt really great. He had a good first inning, right? Mm -hmm. And we talked about that in the last podcast. Him getting up and getting down, right? Is that is that a thing? So it has worked. It hasn't worked. Uh, we'll see what's next for Hayden Wisniewski. But that takes us into Sunday's game, Crowley. Game number four. Javier Assad working on extra days rest. Yep, and it certainly helped him. Uh, the offense picked up where it left off against Bailey Falter. Nico led off the game with a double. He scored on a Cody Bellinger single to put the Cubs up 1-0. They added two more in the fourth when Heimer Candelario hit a home run to make it 3-1. C.S. Suzuki along for the ride on the homer. In the fifth with one out, Nico and Dansby both singled, half-lined out, but Cody Bellinger continues his two-out magic with a double to make it 5-1. Seiya is going to follow that up with a double to score Bellinger to make it 6-1. But oh no, the Cubs were not done. Seiya Suzuki doubled to lead off the eighth, advanced to third on a Jan Gomes flyout, and Seiya scored when Heimer Candelario hit one slowly to the pitcher. Seiya was off on contact. He was able to beat the throw, and the Cubs were up seven to nothing. And then in the ninth, Nico led off with a single. Dansby struck out, Hap singled, and Cody Bellinger doubled to make it nine to one. Seiya walked, Gomes grounded out to round out the scoring to make it 10 to 1. Nico was 3 for 5, Bellinger 3 for 5 with a season high 5 RBIs. Seiya 2 for 3 with 1 RBI and 2 walks. Heimer Candelario 1 for 5 with 3 RBIs. They were 4 for 13 with runners in scoring position. Now Dustin, Javier Assad, I thought that extra day did him some good. He pitched 7 strong innings, gave up 1 run on 3 hits, 7 Ks and 2 walks. Defense made a lot of great plays behind him. And Keegan Thompson made his return, his first appearance since May 17th. He pitched two innings, gave up no runs, one hit, and five Ks, no walks. Dustin, how key would this be if we can get the Keegan Thompson from last year in this bullpen? That's what they're hoping, and they're going to need it because we're going to get into some injury notes in a couple of minutes. So they're going to need him to step up a little bit. Yeah, but, you know, the Cubs finished this stretch of 12 games against sub-500 teams. They went 8-4, and four, which most of the time would be great, but Milwaukee just doesn't lose. So What, have they know, won eight in a row now, the Brewers? Eight in a row, and, and now the Cubs have a stretch of games against opponents that are all in the postseason race. The Cubs play 14 games against Milwaukee, Cincinnati, St. Louis, and Arizona. So, you know, the, the, the easy teams are done. Now you're going to have to play these guys and every one of these games are going to have a huge impact on the Cubs postseason chances 
because again, you know, you lose to Cincinnati or you lose to San Francisco, you could easily drop out of the uh, wild card standing. So that's, that's brutal. So Dustin, we, we are down to 32 games left in this season. We have now entered the sprint part of the season. So we got to hold our breaths here. Yeah, as you like to uh, point out on social media, what is uh, what does Pat like to say? Fasten those seatbelts. <laughs> Fasten those seatbelts. It is going to get really, really interesting. But that, you know what? That's that's the good news, right? The good news is is that they've got games that matter, and we're into uh, the end of August. You know, next week at this time, we'll be celebrating the uh, Labor Day holiday. So it's great that the Cubs still matter as far as games being played on the field. It's awesome, awesome news. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's episode 65 of season two. Jordan Wicks, Wow's Cub fans. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. And in this segment, Crawley interviews former Brewers pitcher and host of the Brewers pre and post game show, Tim Dillard, to talk about the red hot Milwaukee Brewers. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, former MLB pitcher. You can see him on the Brewers pre and post game show. He is, in fact, live from the airport in Milwaukee. Tim Dillard, how you doing, bud? I'm good. MKE. Yeah, just finished up uh, a series sweep of the Padres. Brewers on a, was it, eight games now, winning streak. And I'm on my way flying home to Nashville. So you caught me at a good time. <laughs> you got to. I, I, I'm sitting here and I'm watching here. And, you know, you're you're taking a look. The Padres are are beating you guys pretty good today. And I'm actually in Wisconsin myself right now. And my neighbor comes over, oh, nah, the Brewers, you know, the, the Brewers are done. They, this game's over. They're not going to win it. They <laughs> score seven runs in the sixth inning. That's eight wins in a row. What is it about this team right now? Well, I think they were relying heavily on just a couple of guys, you know, and uh, they had guys that got hot for a month and they got guys that got hot for a week. Um, but now you're starting to see a lot of guys, you know, getting on base, whether it's a walk or just a base hit. And it's, not just one or two guys it's like six or eight um in the case today i think they had six guys reach base twice so it was kind of the combination of walks and then there was obviously some big base hits but um anytime anytime you recognize a pitcher is not throwing a bunch of strikes um i think that's what the brewers are good at i think they've been grinding out at bats and making pitchers work because i'm a i was a pitcher and that bothers me (laughs) but if it's only one guy in the lineup doing that i could care less but when you got you know, seven to nine guys that are making a pitcher work like that, it's, it gets a starter running into baggage claim. Yeah. And, and, and so I'm, I'm taking a look here and, you know, the Brewers did not stand pat at the trade line. They decided to make some moves. Uh, Carlos Santana, Mark Canha, and old friend of the Cubs, Andrew Chafin. Tell me what those guys have brought to the team since the last time the Cubs played the Brewers in July. Um, well, I think early on, everybody was like, are you kidding me? We want Otani, <laughs> right? That's, you know, it's not going to be good enough, you know, whatever the people think about a trade. Um, but I think Matt Arnold saw it. I think, you know, the Brewers front office, the coaching staff, they saw two guys that are, you know, going to get the job done. They've been around a while. They know what it's like to be traded and what they can bring to the club. And I mean, that's what we've seen since. I mean, they just put up good at bats and um, I don't know. They've just... They've gotten really hot because I think they bought into the system of seeing a bunch of pitches, make adjustments on the starter, and then dominate the starter and get in that bullpen. Now, you know, when we, we talked earlier in the year, it was one of those things about Christian Yelich, and he had been struggling last year, and you didn't know what you were going to get out of him, former MVP. And, you know, I'm not saying he's an MVP this year, but he has really had a good bounce-back season. What do you think it is that that's kind of turned uh, Yelich's fortunes around here? Well, I think he's on the uh, – all-star snub revenge tour is what I think. I think he should have been an all-star. I think everybody knew it and he wasn't. And I think that bothers him and it should. Um, He probably didn't care as much as others, but I don't know. He's been playing the, you know, really good. Uh, I think it's just, he's healthy, honestly. 
he's been you look at the games he's been in he's almost in every single game usually he gets the day game the sunday game or maybe wednesday um uh as uh as a dh day but he's been healthy and i think that's key and he kind of got away from the big leg kick started toe tap so he's on time a little bit more um and i mean after that it's just he ha- he's always had a good eye we know that so now it's about finding your pitch. So he's not late on fastball anymore. He's using all fields like he used to. He's just a dangerous at bat because if you don't pitch at him, he'll uh, he'll walk on you. He just scored his 91st run today, so that's pretty good. Oh, absolutely! And 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 a, a trade from last year that you made that seems to really be working out. Uh, we know him well from his brother Wilson Contreras, but you guys got William Contreras. And mm-hmm. not only can he hit like his brother, from what I've seen, it looks like he's a better pitch framer than his brother. That's what they keep saying. Um, who knows? You know, like, I know they have all the computers that do this stuff, but the Brewers know how to develop pitchers. They know how to develop catchers. That's just kind of part of their game. Um, and, and they've been doing a great job at it, and they haven't stopped either. Uh, I think he, once he was on board with exactly how they were trying, hey, we want you to catch like this, um, and, and one thing I think it gets, you know, kind of lost in translation. I talked to, um, Eddie Perez, Eddie Perez with the Braves. Uh, he was my coach in winter ball, uh, years ago. And he told me he's like, you know, it was sad to see Contreras go, but they got Sean Murphy. And he was telling me, he's like, people think, you know, there's a hangup about his catching. He goes, but he caught, I think he told me he caught four no, no hitters in the minor leagues Four. Wow. So, I mean, that's nothing to scoff at. So I think. I think that was just kind of the headline, like, oh, he can't – he's not really good, and then suddenly he is. I think it probably worked hard, but it was only just some small tweaks that he was able to kind of overcome. But, um, no, he's been doing a fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, he's batting – I mean, he's batting second for you guys. He's getting on base. It's just unbelievable. Doubles, now, yeah. You, you know whenever the Cubs and Brewers meet, it's always it's always a craziness. That, that 4th of July series where they split and the lead changes – it was just absolutely insane. So now, you know, we're, we're here with the, we're at the sprint as far as the season is concerned, 37 games left. And, you know, you, you have the Brewers under Wrigley field. That first matchup is Jamison versus Wade Miley. We had Wade Miley here last year. What have you got? What have you noticed about Wade Miley and what does he bring to the, to the Brewers? I mean, he's just, he's, he's crafty, you know, in this day and age where, you know, younger, faster and all that. You know, no one's going and drafting these kind of guys anymore, really. No one's going to find the, you know, the soft-throwing, softer-throwing lefty comparatively. And um, I think what they got in him is a guy that not only is good for the team, but he helps everybody around him uh, every single day. I would say one day before a start at home, he was out in the outfield or out in, yeah, out in the outfield with some of the other pitchers. They were talking about, like, um, you know, how to hold a different slider and stuff like that. And he, it was his day to start, and he's out there you know, helping those guys. So I think they were like looking as like a guy that's not going to be um, disruptive in any way, but he's going to be good. And the side effect is here's what I found out. So, Cause I was one of the older guys in like double A and triple A my last several years. <laughs> um, when you start helping out the younger guys, it makes you better. You learn mm-hmm. a little something uh, when you're starting to teach it. And anyway, I think he's, that's the side effect. I think he's gotten better because he's showing other guys what to do and helping them. And then suddenly he's like figuring it out for himself and, I mean, he just mixes it up so well. And you're going to see a bunch of cutters. Cutters are going to be key. I think it'll match up good against this Cubs offense. Plus, you know, seeing the Cubs six times in the last 30, was it 32 games now? That's, yep. that's a big deal. Yeah, and, and not only that, game two for any baseball fan is going to be exciting. You got the Cubs ace, Justin Steele, versus the Brewers oh, ace, yeah. Corbin Ooh. Burns. So that is going to be an electric game to be at. Now, it, you know, to try to say that, you know, Corbin Burns isn't having as good a season as last year. I mean, that was a remarkable season, but he's had he's had his ups and downs this year. Is there anything that you're seeing that uh, kind of indicate what might be going wrong? Talking about Burns? Yeah. Oh, man. He I mean, he was Cy Young. And then if he wasn't Cy Young the next year, it's considered a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's hard I, to follow up that season last yeah. year. Yeah, you're not Cy Young again. It's like, save it. You, I know a bunch of guys that have won, not a bunch, but I know several guys that have won Cy Young. And one thing they always say is stuff just has to go your way. I talked. To, I remember talking to R.A. Dickey after he won Cy Young in 2012 with the Mets. And I was like, what was different? Because I'm curious. I'm like, what was different? What did you figure out? And he goes, it just seemed like all the balls that would squeak through the infield, you know, all my seasons, they just didn't this time. And every single call that was on the edge, I got the call. He's like, it's just little things like that that makes, you know, a pitcher that's good into something, you know, elite. And 
you know, you see flashes of that where it's like everything goes your way, even though you don't have your best stuff. But Corbin's been amazing. He's, he's like up there in quality starts. So he's only had one or two hiccups, but he as collectively as a whole, um, yeah, he's one of the best in the game. Do you, are you, how, is there a lot of talk about re-signing him to an extension or something? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not that kind of analyst, man. I don't, <laughs> people ask me all this stuff, like, what do you think about, I'm like, I have no clue. If they're there, if they have a jersey, um, and I think that's what most people worry about. You know, when it comes like, I think that's what Craig Council worries about. Most managers, especially when they want to win, they could really care less about the fringe stuff, the, the upcoming stuff in the offseason. They're, they're talking like, how do we win now? Um, so no, I haven't heard much on it. I don't know what they decide to do. All we, I think what most people know is there's a lot of people that, you know, are really good that probably need to get paid. And it's like, who goes and who stays. (laughs) Right. And, 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 you know, Brandon Woodruff is pitching game three. That's against Kyle Hendricks. So like I said, a really fun series, uh, Woodruff was injured for a while and he came back recently. Uh, how's he look since coming back? He's looked good. Um, he's giving up some home runs, but I think that's just because he's challenging hitters. He's he's not trying to beat around the bush and be, you know, really like, oh, let me see if I can, you know, nibble and see if I can get you to swing. I think he's going right after hitters, and I think he should because that's what that's what he does. That's his game. Um, is just his presence on the mound, and he hasn't he hasn't shied away from it. Which if you're coming off of missing three or four months, um, you 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 would feel a little bit apprehensive. You just do. I mean, that's how guys are. And, but he is letting it loose. He was up to 98 last time out. So wow. we're seeing the pitch count climbing. Um, he's gone, he went over 100 pitches last time. That's what you love to see. Um, and, and honestly, Craig Council's letting some of these pitchers, you know, a little bit more slack, right, in the rope. So they're, they're going deep into ballgames. Now, you know, the thing that frustrated Cub fans is we had to stretch right now against some pretty easy opponents. And you guys had the Rangers and, and, and the Twins and – you know, the Dodgers and all these good teams, and, and it didn't seem to impact him. It looks like I, – I can't remember who it was. It might have been Yelich, but when people were talking about the Cubs getting hot, I remember Yelich saying something like, hey, we're pretty good too. How confident is this team coming into Chicago? Um, I mean, confidence. Confidence is a buzzword. When things are going well, you know, he's hitting with confidence. If he's pitching well, he's pitching with confidence. Team's playing well. I don't. I try not to use that word just because nobody – really uses it in the clubhouse <laughs> it's, it's what we use it's what we use in the in the press and broadcast circuit um but i think i think what it comes down to is guys feeling good they're feeling good a lot of times when people struggle especially hitters um it's just about a lack of being on base is that you know they go up there it's like sometimes they're not just hitting but they're not walking either and they forget what it's like to be on base um and a lot of times to break out of a slump, they say, we got to swing the bat. Sure. But it's about the pitches you don't swing at. So suddenly guys string together a couple of walks and then they, they're on base. They feel good. Um, but what I love about Craig Council is he, he keeps it creative. You have to you know, create uh, moments where, where guys can be heroes. Today, it was Rowdy Telez. He was on the bench. He hit a three-run homer in game one and then didn't play in game two and comes off the bench in a big moment, gets a two-run double. Um, he creates moments where guys can shine. And that helps everybody. And he's always been good at that. And when guys deliver, it just it's it's compound interest. That's how these guys work. That's how all baseball players work. You know, it's and uh, yeah, they, they call it confidence, but at the same time, it's just about different guys feeling good and, and having opportunities to really shine. And the ones that take advantage of it uh, just lay the groundwork for the next guy coming up behind them. You know, I got I gotta love this, Tim. We're sitting here and you know, we're we're about to get into September and the very last game of the season. Cubs Brewers Miller Park I am fam uh but AMFAM. but <laughs> you know, sorry it, you know we still call it the Sears Tower but um you know you sit there and you take a look how how much fun I mean if, if both of these teams continue to play well to have that series right there in Milwaukee to end the season's gonna be a lot of fun I know Cub fans will be there just like Brewers fans are gonna be at Wrigley this week and I am looking forward to coming back and hopefully Tim we can see you around the ballpark somewhere and uh have a beer or two <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, if I'm not even working, uh, who cares? Even if I am working, I'll I'll have a drink with you. Uh, no, it's I mean it's bookends, right? Like whoever put the schedule together, it came out a little later last year because everybody's playing everybody now with that new rule change. So they took a little more time to put together the schedule, and some of it didn't add up. I remember there should have been an off day between playing a night game in LA and then a you know a game in uh, Texas the next day. So they kind of dropped the ball on that one. Uh, but having the Cubs series to start the year and having the Cubs series to end the season. Um, for the Brewers, I know it's got to be exciting, but I'm going to be honest, you know, to help me in my job, I kind of hope the last three games don't matter at all. (laughs) (laughs) 
It it would be fun, and I got I, I guarantee you that the atmosphere in Milwaukee would be electric. Oh yeah, yeah. Either way, either way, it's going to be big. This series, I wish I was going to you know flying to Wrigley to see the games tomorrow, but uh, sadly I'm going home. <laughs> hey, well, I'm, I'm telling you, if, my if, family. If, I love my family. <laughs> if you ever do get out to Wrigley, we'll take you out and we'll show you some of the haunts around there. I mean, I'm sure you know plenty, but we'll show you a few more. And, and thank you so much, Tim, for jumping on. Oh, you got it. Anytime. Take care, my friend. Yep. Thank you. All right, Crowley. Great job with that. This is season two, episode 65 of the Fly the W podcast. Jordan Wicks, Wow's Cub fans. And in this segment, we're going to go over some news, some roster moves, and preview the upcoming series against those Brewers. But before we do that, Crowley, let's take a look at the standings as we sit right now on Sunday afternoon. Yep, we take a look at the NL Central, and you have the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm assuming they just won, right? Well, of course. Uh, against San Diego. <laughs> so they, they they basically, you know, San Diego had them, and, and, and the Brewers scored five or six in the bottom of the inning, and uh, 72 and 57. They are four games ahead of the Cubs at 69 and 61. Both teams are seven and three in their last 10. So the Cubs are not making up ground. Um, well, actually, uh, Milwaukee has to be eight and two now. Cincinnati is 68 and 63. They are five games back. Pittsburgh, 58 and 73. The Cubs gave them a little two game losing streak there. And then the lowly Cardinals at 56 and 75. They're two and eight in their last 10, three game losing streak. You hate to see it, huh? Oh, yeah. Breaks my heart. Breaks, breaks my, my heart. heart. Philadelphia, first in the wild card standings at 72 and 58. Um, they are up four games. And then the Cubs are in the second wild card spot, 69 and 61. They're one game up on Arizona for the final play, uh, uh, who occupy the final wild card spot at 68 and 62. All of those teams are doing pretty good. Philly seven and three in their last 10 Cubs, seven and three in their last 10 and Arizona eight and two in their last 10. So they got hot Cincinnati six and four. They're half a game behind Arizona, San Francisco struggling three and seven in their last 10, 1.5 back also struggling the Marlins who have lost or three in their last seven. Uh, and they have are 2.5 games back. It'll be interesting. That's all I can keep saying, Crowley. This is going to be fun. Yes, sir. The playoff race, like I said, you got six teams all battling. And like I said, with all the Cubs playing, like, again, the Diamondbacks, two series. San Francisco, they're going to be playing. Uh, Cincinnati. These, are all playoff, these are like all playoff games. That's what this is going to feel like. This is going to feel like playoff baseball right now. Absolutely. Absolutely right. That is really, really cool. Super excited about the uh, big week ahead. All right, we got a little uh, Bob Nightingale Sunday notes we need to talk about. Yeah, this one was interesting because he was talking to Scott Boris, who is the agent of one Cody Bellinger. If you've been following along lately, um, uh, Shohei Otani has an uh, arm injury and he's going to require surgery. And so a lot of questions is now, would you say that Shohei is still the biggest free agent or is it one Cody Bellinger? And uh, you, you know, Scott Boris, like I said, counting that money, getting ready. It was mentioned in the article that Mookie Betts was 27 years old, same age as Cody Bellinger when he hits free agent market, when he got a 12-year, $365 million extension. So right now, Dustin, I'm wondering if Scott Boris is throwing some balloons up there, a little test balloon here, that may be 350 to 400 if you want to get Cody Bellinger. Boy, oh boy, she's... The, the, the numbers, Crowley, are just astronomical, right? But we've seen this Cubs offense without him in it. And the question becomes, if you were to take Cody Bellinger out of this Cubs lineup, how in the world would you replace him? Right. And, and the thing to kind of keep in mind, though, too, is that Mookie Betts, when he got that extension, had a huge track record that you could go back on and be like, yep, this guy is 100%. Cody Bellinger doesn't have that same track record. Has he had a phenomenal year? Absolutely. The Cubs are nowhere near the playoffs if he's not doing what he's doing. But are you willing to go 10, 12 years? I just remember the amount of people so upset when uh, with Jason Hayward in that contract. Can you imagine if it's a 10 or 12-year contract for $300, $400 million and he, and he regresses? I don't know. I, I am nervous about it. Yep, it's something to be nervous about, but kind of a good kind of a good kind of nervous, if you know what I mean. Yep, I know. Yeah, I get you. 
It's uh, there could be there could be much worse things. All right, let's talk about some roster shakeups. We mentioned his name, Keegan Thompson, getting called back up. Yep, he is back. Michael Rock Rucker was optioned uh, back down again. I encourage anyone to listen to that interview we did with Alex Cohen. He talked about a lot of these young guys that could be helping out the Cubs. Uh, he was everything was exactly as advertised with what Alex talked about. We talked about before the game Thursday, Jed Hoyer met with the media to say that Drew Smiley was going to be sticking in the pen. And we knew that Jordan Wicks before the game Saturday would be making his MLB debut, pushing Stodd's start to Sunday in a corresponding move. And Dustin, you alluded to this in the first segment, Michael Fulmer was put on the 15 day IL with what's being called a right forearm strain. Yeah. He's been used a ton. He's been really good for the most part. He did look like he looked in May the other night. He had one bad outing recently but uh he will be missed so we're going to uh we're definitely going to need keegan thompson to step up to kind of fill that role i think absolutely all right crowley here we go the moment we've been waiting for cubs brewers wrigley field three games cubs entering down four to the brew crew oh boy here we go and i will be at the game tomorrow wrestling night hulk hogan clark i am going to be excited hulk hogan bear yeah (laughs) I'll have it for the next podcast for those of you that are All subscribed right. to the YouTube channel, uh, 670 The Score. But uh, the Cubs and Brewers have played seven times this season. They opened the year at Wrigley Field. That was the first series, and the Brewers took two of three games. And then they also played during the week of the 4th of July, and they split the four-game series. They went two and two. So the Cubs are three and four against the Brewers this season. You remember that series in July. There was a lot of lead changes, a lot of back and forth, a lot of drama. I was at one of the games when they when they got the walk or not the walk off, but they came back and caused Devin uh, Williams to have, Williamson to have a blown save. So you know that this is going to be rocking. You know it's going to be crazy. I just wonder if how much longer the Brewers can sustain being this hot. All right, they've got to come back to earth a little bit. So if anything, hopefully the Cubs are getting them at right at the right time when they cool off after winning eight in a row. Now, the Brewers did not stand static during the trade deadline. They made their own moves. They added three new players to their big league roster. First baseman, Carlos Santana, who they got from the Pirates. Thanks a lot there. Um, He really fits a need for them at first base. Rowdy Telez was having a rough season. Outfielder Mike Canna is there. And reliever and old friend of the Cubs, Andrew Chafin is now in the bullpen for the Brewers. They traded some of their prospects for their very from their very deep farm system, so they didn't have to uh, trade players off the major league roster. Right, and they were supposedly uh, in on some other big names as well that didn't uh, end up happening, so I guess that's some good news. All right, so again, big three-game series. It starts Monday night. Jamison Tyone, Wade Miley, the pitching matchup. Yeah, th- here we go. J-Mo, uh, you know, it- it's – you saw what Jordan Wicks did. You saw what, what Assad has done, and it really has to be guys like Jamison Tyone. This is why he got paid the big bucks, is to come back and really kind of do some uh, do something here. He's 7-8 and eight with a 560 ERA. Last game was okay, not great. 5.2 innings, four hits, four earned runs, one walk. Remember, he was cruising with that no-hitter, and then he got the, he, all of a sudden it all fell apart. He gives up a grand slam. So it looked a lot worse than what the performance actually was. It was a really good performance up until that sixth inning. Uh, against KC, he did much better. Six innings pitched, six hits, two earned runs. And against Toronto, that was the one that was a struggle. He just he went only three innings and he gave up eight runs. Uh, that was just a disaster on eight hits. Yeah, he's uh, he's been up and down, up and down. We're going to need a real big performance from him on Monday night. I hope he's uh, hope he's getting his rest right now. Yep, I hope he's up to the test because that's really, uh, really, really need him to come through here. We, get, I mean, the Cubs, you know, I know, I don't know. I'm just feeling like they really uh, need to take this series here. Of course, yeah. I mean, you want it. You you can't get swept. You no, don't have to win all. You don't have to sweep them, but you, you'd like to win the series and gain at least a game. Absolutely. And Wade Miley, he's kind of been up and down for them so far, but pretty solid. He's 36 years old. Uh, on the Cubs last season, uh, he was six and he's six and three with a three eighteen ERA against Minnesota. He went five innings, gave up five hits, three earned runs against the Dodgers. He took the loss. He went five innings, gave up seven hits, three earned runs against Colorado. Did very well. Six innings, gave up two hits, one earned run, but he, very Kyle Hendrick esque at this point in his career. Kyle Hendrick esque, you think? Yeah. Is that, a, yeah. Is, that your, is that your comp right now for that? Okay. Yep. 
All right. Well, you know, based on that, I think this could be, you know, maybe this is the high scoring game uh, of this series. Maybe, maybe game one is the high scoring, maybe check out the uh, total in that one. All right. Game number two, Cubs ace lefty, Justin Steele. Yep. All he keeps doing is uh, giving you quality starts and winning games 14 and three with a 280 ERA against Pittsburgh. He went six innings, gave up six hits, two earned runs, six K's and two walks. He was a no decision on that. Against KC, he won that one. He gave he went six innings, gave up two runs on six hits with seven Ks and no walks. Uh, against Toronto, no decision, five innings, gave up six hits, three earned runs with seven Ks. So he's about as solid as you can get. And and Dustin, this is the game you really want to watch. This is going to be as, as close to a playoff game that Justin Steele will experience because not only is the atmosphere going to be electric, but he's going against the ace of the of the Brewers staff, so it's ace right. against ace, right? Ace versus ace. You know that's the way. If you know, for the fan standpoint, that you couldn't want anything better than that. Right now, Burns is not having as good a year as last year. He's nine and six with a three sixty five ERA. But on any given day, man, the guy could absolutely be lights out. He struggled against Minnesota. He went six innings, gave up six runs on eight hits. But against the Dodgers, he went seven innings, gave up only two hits, zero earned runs. And then against the White Sox, he went 5.2 innings, eight hits, five earned runs. So when you want to talk about inconsistent, a lot of up and down uh, with Corbin Burns this year. A lot up and down. Good. Hopefully more down than up on uh, game number two. That'll be Tuesday night at Wrigley. Then we've got an afternoon contest, getaway day, game number three, Kyle Hendricks, Brandon Woodruff. Yep, Kyle Hendricks. You know uh, the professor. Like I said, we know what he's going to do. He's five and seven with the three eighty ERA. He's going to go five or six innings. He's going to give up three or less runs, and you hope that that's not enough to have you defeated. It was against Pittsburgh, going five point two innings, gave up two earned runs on six hits. Against KC, he got the win. He went five innings, gave up one earned run, and then against the White Sox, he went six innings, gave up seven hits, three earned runs. So again, he gives up roughly two or three runs a game which again, you, you should be able to win those games. Should be able to get, win those games. Absolutely right. He keeps you in ball games. As, as much as people might have been upset that he gave up those runs early, you're never going to win a game with one home run, at least not very often. A solo home run at that, right? At that, right. A solo home run at that, right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm not going to blame Kyle right now for that game. Mm-mm. Right. No, a- absolutely. He did everything. And and if you can't score more than two runs, um, I'm sorry. You know, that that's... That's an issue here, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, if you're taking a look, then they are going to be going up against Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff is three and one. He's only started six games this season because of injuries. Uh, he was out for a long, long, long time. And so he was activated on August 6th. So he had right shoulder inflammation. He went on the IL on May 15th. And then he started his rehab July 22nd, and then he was called up August 6th. So, again, in his last three starts against San Diego, he went six innings, gave up three hits, one earned run. Against Texas, he went five innings, gave up three hits, four earned runs. And against the White Sox, he went six innings, gave up four hits and two earned runs. The Cubs always seem to have some trouble with this guy. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know. Uh, again, it seems like he's pitching deep into games, so it doesn't seem like he'll be on any pitch count or anything. So the Cubs are just going to have to find a way to beat him. Find a way to beat him. And the way to beat him is with your hot players. Let's get into the hot and the not and Cody Bellinger back on the hot list after a week off. Yep. He is back. You knew it wouldn't be that long. Say a Suzuki though. He's been on there for a few weeks now. He has, uh, 12 hits in his last 27 at bats. Five doubles, one home run, five RBIs. He's slashing Dustin, 444, 516, 815. He is on fire. On fire. That uh, benching uh, has worked wonders for him. Absolutely. And then Nick Madrigal will return trip to the uh, hot list. Eight for his last 22 with three RBIs. He's slashing 364, 364, 500. And as you said, Cody Ballinger, nine for his last 31. He has three doubles, 11 RBIs, Dustin, slashing 290, 313, 387. So he's going back up. On the not list, uh, Danby, Dansby Swanson striking out too much for my liking. Yeah, he's five for his last 27. He has one home run and five RBIs. Eight strikeouts to five walks, which isn't horrible, but still a lot of strikeouts. A lot of he's strikeouts slashing, for him. Slashing 185, 313, 296. 
And then Mike Talkman, who everybody was ready to build a statue to, is starting to come down to earth a little bit. Three for his last 23 for the Palatine Pounder. He's not pounding too much right now. Uh, he's slashing 132, 31, 130. Yeah, he'll be back. I, I trust in Mike Talkman. I'm not worried about him. All right, this is where we get to find out, uh, Crowley, who are the brewers that Cub fans need to be worried about. There's a lot that you need to be worried about. Carlos Santana came from the Pirates. He's six for his last 15 with the uh, RBI, slashing 400, 471, 467. Uh, Mark Canna, who they got in a trade at the deadline, he's four for 12. Uh, I would look out for William Contreras, four for his last 12 with a home run and four RBIs. And Willie Adamas, please be careful with him. He's five for his last 16, but he has two home runs and six RBIs. That guy is really, he he just knocks the ball out of the park. Okay, and? As far as the knots are concerned, it's not a real big list. It really is uh, Christian Yelich. Uh, who's had a very good season, a bounce back season, but he's two for his last 15 with no home runs, no RBIs. He's slashing 133, 278, 200. And he's usually pretty good against the Cubs. So we got to watch out for him as always. All right, Crowley, prediction time. Um, I'll go first. The Cubs are not going to get swept. The Cubs are not going to sweep, but I am going to say they are going to gain a game. So they're going to win two out of three here against the Brewers at Wrigley. I have the Brewers taking two out of three. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I think the Tyone Miley start I don't like, and I don't like game three. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, I think, is going to give the Cubs fits. All right, Crowley, anybody listening to this podcast hopes that I am right and you are wrong. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W on Facebook, Fly the W670 on Instagram. Email us, flythew670 at gmail.com, and watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, enjoy the games. Follow Crowley on social on Monday night as he's going to be out at Wrigley. Absolutely. And don't forget, give us a five-star review if you could and uh, a nice write-up. We love those reviews. It always makes us smile. Also, make sure that you head down to Wrigley because the Cubs need Cub fans out there cheering them on. Everybody should be cheering. Go Cubs! It's all over.